What is Fidgetal? How do you map a Fidgetal customer journey? To understand more about the future of customer experiences, stay tuned to this episode of the Zista Podcast. Welcome to the Zista Podcast, where we invite industry leaders and academicians to answer questions that students have within a specific subject area. Today, we're going deeper into the field of digital customer journeys. And joining us is Ibelon Schwar. He has over 20 years of experience in the field of CRM, marketing automation, and business analytics. He's the CEO of Brand Infinity, and he's worked with great brands like Swiss Air, Somme Education, the Digital Luxury Group, just to name a few. Let's go straight into the session. Welcome to the podcast, Ibelon. We're delighted to have you here today. Hello, I'm happy to join this podcast today also. Nice to see you again. Same, same. So, Ivalon, we've got a really a lot of questions to ask you. And I thought I'd ask you something very basic to start with. What is Fidgetal? Well, actually, it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a new name for something which exists for a long time, <laughs> which is basically blending digital and digital experiences into a, into a journey. Um, other terms are also used for the same, which is called omnichannel customer experience. Right. Um, it's basically really the idea of understanding a journey of a client or a prospect or a very good client, for example, and try to um, create seamless experiences between the digital touch, the digital touch points, and the physical touch points, basically. And and um, yeah, that comes with a, a lot of technologies and thoughts and strategies um, which need to be put in place to uh, to differentiate one company against another by delivering what we call exceptional uh, customer experiences and that goes via physical as well as digital touch points. It's really interesting and it's a it's a good kind of combination of physical and digital kind of coming together in one word also symbolifying that it's about creating a holistic experience or holistic way to approach customer experience. So products and services are getting more and more uniform. Product features are getting similar. So the way you deliver your service experience will become the real differentiator. So what I wanted to ask you is that uh, if if a company is mapping a digital customer journey or they want to even understand that concept a little more in detail, what would you list as some of the key elements? Well, one of the first thing you need to do before you even start doing that is you have you have to have the capabilities to deliver that, and that comes with a proper architecture of your systems, <laughs> because at the end it's all about data and systems, uh, where you need to be able to uh, basically build up the technology stack you need, uh, and then understand the ways you would be able to measure. Uh, with interacting with whom at which moments in the journey before you even start thinking about the journey um, you basically need to have the technology in place otherwise it's just a nice concept but it's not going to fly okay and and a lot of struggles of companies are about having legacy systems you know the ERP of this world uh, stitched together with a CRM and marketing automation, all this technology basically need to speak together um, to be able to build these digital customer experiences. If you don't have that, 
you better don't even start because you're just going to touch little things around the journey, but you won't be able to create this seamless experience, which basically covers all the journey. Um, and for that, you need systems to talk, which talk with each other, basically. Otherwise, you lost. Um, but once you, once you've done that and you kind of integrated your systems and they speak together and you have the ability to basically measure interactions on the different interactions you have with people, using again physical or digital, then you need to really what I what I do a lot uh, with clients is basically you need to talk to the clients <laughs> um, to understand what's the journey. Um, for that, you could use design thinking methodologies. Where you do workshops, you know, design thinking uh, workshops, where you let people go through the journeys they went through. Uh, what are the wow moments? What are the pain moments? And once you've mapped that, basically you try to create a nice map. As we know, it's not linear. It's not a start end, but quite often people do come back. It's not, it's, you know, we used to look at this funnel, you know, the, the visual funnel of we start there and we finish there. But actually people jump forth, back and forth and I need to understand at which moment they were blocked, why they came back to basically maybe searching for the solution. Uh, and when they were almost ready to purchase, what did block them? What were the pains on the way? Uh, what were their thoughts? And basically once you've mapped that journey, the pain points, the emotional moments, the difficult moments. You also have the, the the stages in the journey where you can start to think, okay, this one is a priority for me because I lose a lot of people on that stage because something is painful, it doesn't work, it's too complex, process is too complex, and therefore I want to change that. So, um, and once you've done that, you can basically start building your your digital customer journeys and thinking of uh, what data points you want to measure at which moments and how you want to basically lower the barriers at every stage which we're blocking but also when you have a very inner journey when you have moments which are very emotional i take an example um we work for triumph motorcycles one moment which is a wow one moment is the moment you sit on a bike to test it okay because it's a special moment, it's fun, you're kind of projecting yourself into buying a bike. And the last moment is when you receive the the delivery day of your bike. Okay, you get, you go there, uh, the plates are on the bike, you put your helmet on and you drive away. Okay, and that these are two very emotional moments, which you can leverage to create basically uh, content and let people share experiences, for example, which is then content available to people which didn't do that stage yet. Okay. So these emotional moments are important, but also the pain points is, okay, maybe you, when you discuss, you, you, you don't want to pay cash your bike, you need to have a leasing, the discussion around the leasing validation and so on is very, is a bit tedious, complicated. You need to provide papers. It needs to be physical. So it's a bit complicated. And this, you want to basically lower the barrier of that stage, make it as simple as possible for the client. So you don't lose too many people on that, on that journey. Okay. So that's, and then you will have, ideally, you transport part of the process digitally. So it, you don't need to make it physically. So it makes it easier for people. So basically, it's really about thinking how you want to do that. Um, but also, 
there's always a, a part of the search journey where you go on the website, you look for a product, you know, you search your services, you compare, um, then you go physically, you test, you go back online. It's basically also how do you want to know that the person which you've touched online is going to, is, is, has come to your point of sale, for example. Um, so you need also there to kind of have a strategy, how you're going to capture Mr. Uh, Z, which came to your point of sale or to retail store, if you don't have your own physical stores and how, what are the means you're going to use to identify that person physically when you have identified him already digitally and how do you basically give an incentive or find a way that the person entering the store will identify himself or herself. Okay. So it's really about thinking, I have a journey, I have different points of contact, so touch points around the journey and how do I leverage data as well as identity? How can I identify a person so I can basically maximize my, my leverage of my level of knowledge about the journey of the person. And then that feeds again, data, machine learning, intelligence, and then you can optimize your journeys and do basically this loop of, you know, machine learning, AI and all this stuff, which basically helps to, um, to refine and optimize your, your digital customer journey. That's amazing. I think you highlighted a lot of points and <clears throat> when companies think of, uh, customer experiences from a digital perspective, they can, you know, debate and analyze what experiences and interactions are best done physically versus digitally. And, you know, you rightfully said it's about, you know, also being mindful of privacy. So, you know, which data points will be the common identifier across both these different universes to kind of, you know, identify that, okay, this is that same customer, you know, in a digital interaction. And now that same customer has come for a physical interaction. So that's really interesting, uh, you know, and, and it's imperative, I feel, for brands to think in those terms and really labor on to deliver a very good customer experience. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, even, are you seeing a lot of brands adopting this kind of mindset, you know, in terms of a physical customer experience? What really is accelerating the adoption of something like this? <laughs> well, one, one huge acceleration was basically... Uh coronavirus, you know, when basically everyone had to stay home, all the retail stores were closed. Yes. I mean, in the education, as well as retail, everyone which has had a retail had to find a very quick way to deliver the products and services online and not physically. And that was basically a huge accelerator into the world of digital, basically right. people which were still reluctant to move to the digital online sales suddenly they didn't have a choice. So they had to adopt this new way of purchasing experience a product because there was, there were no more way to go physically and, and buy a product or a service. And that was a huge accelerator. And I think before that, I mean, when you think about smartphones, you know, iPhone, which basically refresh, did revolutionize the whole world of internet. <laughs> um, it was the moment we had smartphones and and the capability to interact on apps, social platforms, uh, use Google Maps to move around. That moment basically accelerated that capability of, well, the way people were thinking and purchasing products changed a lot because 
we started to use phones to compare prices when you are in a retail store. You know, there's this kind of transparency of the pricing, which was not there before. The day people had smartphones, suddenly the the pricing kind of advantage, you know, where people would buy a product more expensive because they didn't know it was cheaper somewhere else, that disappeared. So basically the market became very transparent. So everything is available to everyone. Everyone knows the price of every product. And basically that makes it more difficult to differentiate yourself as a company because you cannot use the price anymore. Your margin is questionable because you need to deliver something for the same product. If you're a retail store, a Sony TV here, a Sony TV there, the pricing is transparent. You can buy it online to this price. You can go to physical store to buy this at the same price. And then what is, what is the differentiator for you as a, as a customer to buy the same TV in a different place? Basically it's going to be the experience you have, the, if someone helps you to choose the right television, so the, the, the basically the cons, the consulting part of the work, um, the, maybe because you want to touch and see something, so you want to go physical to see it, but basically you could buy it online and have it delivered very shortly in your home without any problem. So it's really, how do you want to leverage the different channels? physical, digital, um, uh, what experience you're going to deliver to differentiate yourself against other, because again, the market is transparent, a product is exchangeable. And why would you buy it in a place against another place? Um, that's also why maybe a lot of brands are more and more building their own, they want to master the distribution channels. So they build their own retail, uh, outlets because they don't want to be they want to master the customer experience from start to the end. Okay. I mean, luxury brands have started with that a long time ago. Uh, you know, the Louis Vuittons and Hermès and all the others, they're not distributed anywhere else because they want to have the end customer relationship. Um, and they want to master the experience online and in store. They were more reluctant actually to leave the physical sales to go online. Now they slowly all adopted that but it was difficult for them to move away from the physical to the digital because they, they thought experience was very important. Now, when you have a brand as Hermes or, or Louis Vuitton, when you buy online, you know that you're going to buy the same product because it has a reputation and a brand which you respect and you consider as being premium. Therefore, that's not a problem. But um, yeah, there's, so there's ways where people were very physical, went online or physical, with, which were mainly online and became physical because they wanted to extend this experience and give something else just and just buying a product online. And sometimes it's important. The consulting part, the seeing, touching is important. And therefore, a lot of companies are also building their own retail stores, mostly in the premium segment because they can afford it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's basically how the, the way it works. But really, the main changes were first the smartphone because it, it became ubiquitous, as we say. So basically, Wherever you are, you have always the same information. You don't have, don't need to sit behind your computer. You have the same information on your smartphone. You use maps to orientate yourself. You can compare prices. You can buy online, even on the phone. And therefore, the thought of the people around that became much more, okay, there's not a physical and digital. Basically, it's all blended because I have my phone all the time with me. It's always on. And basically, that thought of process made the behavior change. The second one, there is the reluctance to change were basically forced by uh, 
coronavirus and the, the fact that everything was closed and they didn't have a choice. So they, had, they were forced to basically go online and experience that. And now they adopted that. And basically, that's also why we see more and more, I think, difficulties in retail stores. In I mean, I don't know, if, here in Switzerland, in the city centers, there's not much more retail stores. Actually, it's much more food entertainment because a lot of retailers have gone bankrupt or closed because everyone is buying online and because they were not able to deliver a differentiated experience physically, which made people still come to them. But I mean, I don't know how it's in India, but a lot of city centers now are empty of stores apart from the big brands, which are still there because they have the volume and the capability to manage that, but it's become more and more difficult to to maintain a physical presence because the, the volume of sales has gone down and therefore the cost of staff, uh, rent, everything has become too high and they need to close and stay only online. So it's it's really, a, I think it's an ongoing transformation. I, I believe it will come back because people need social interactions, need encountering, need to touch, feel, see. Um, so I, I think it will come back, but that acceleration with coronavirus did a lot of a lot of pain for a lot of people. Um, I mean, companies which were a lot into retail and less online, and they did. Some of them went bankrupt and disappeared. Some could survive, but it's it's a struggle, I'm sure, for, for a lot of them. At least what we see in India is that uh, in our city centers, we see a whole mix of retail outlets, not just food and entertainment. Uh, definitely retail uh, <clears throat> is there in, in a lot of the malls. A lot of the spaces are, you know, taken up by retail brands. Uh, because India is such a big country, we have so many people, uh, yeah. there's a good volume of people who still prefer, you know, doing things in the physical world. <laughs> and it's really interesting to see how, you know, I really agree with what you said. So people have become smarter. You know, I, I see customers who may go to a shoe store, try on a pair of shoes to see which size fits them. And then go back online and go to that website, which is offering a fantastic deal. So now they know, okay, this shoe size for all those shoes or Nike shoes fits me well. So let me uh, buy it online, right? And uh, there are also instances where customers search for a product online, like an entertainment or a home entertainment system. They go through a whole bunch of uh, peer review sites, you know, comparison websites. And now then they zero in on the product. And that's when they go into the physical store and make a purchase. You know, they want to mm -hmm. clarify their last few queries with the salesperson. And because it's a big ticket investment, they may, you know, do that. So it's it's really interesting. In some sense, uh, you know, physical and digital interactions with a brand have always been there. But I, I, I think you're right when you say that the smarter brands want to control that entire spectrum of experiences and think in a holistic, blended fashion. And that's where digital customer journeys make sense. When you were yeah. speaking earlier, you talked about pain points. But when you're mapping a digital journey, can you also identify you know, new business opportunities? Do you think that's possible? In general, the digital transformation thought, you know, is it's not only a digitization of the interaction. Right. Um, and most of the time, it's rethinking the way you deliver your service or products or rethinking completely your service or products. Okay. So I'm just thinking of an example, which would make sense too. I did recently, um, a, um, a course with, uh, IMD, um, in Lausanne around the digital transformation. And, um, you know, I take an example of, uh, 
it's 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 a farming world okay it's a farming world um it's um syngenta which sells crops okay they sell basically uh, crops and fertilizer uh to farmers and that's their business okay and basically they became more and more under pressure from uh from chinese uh, fertilizer and crop uh crop producers which would sell the product cheaper okay so they had to rethink the way they will deliver their product okay it's not just delivering a crop and a fertilizer but it's basically building a set of sensors so data gathering uh, solutions which would basically blend with external data sources like geo um, meteo rainfalls uh, temperature and humidity um basically mixed with a sensor which would sense the quality of the ground how much humidity there is the ground and basically depending on on that on the quality of the ground the system would then recommend different crops different fertilizer and basically that data gathered on all farmers which would have that service and that product you know they would have an app um and they would be to okay now it's maybe time you need to uh uh, irrigate a bit your uh, your fields maybe you add a bit of this fertilizer pay attention this is going to come and basically they deliver more results for the same surface sure okay? sure so basically they build this data layer where they capture a lot of data points okay which basically Maybe was a pain point for the farmer because he didn't know exactly what to do, how to use that, blah blah blah, and he's lost between fifteen thousand fertilizers, different crops, and he doesn't know what to do. It's complicated, okay? So it's a it's a huge pain point. And basically, they say, look, we're gonna deliver you more results per square meter on your farm because you put the sensors, we give you at your disposal an an iPad. Um, where you're going to see what needs to be done. Everything is mapped geographically. And what is interesting for Syngenta, they collect huge data sets, okay? Where they also test and optimize their product as it goes. Because they say, oh, use that, use that fertilizer, use that crop, and the mix with the humidity and a type of um, meteo makes it happen, okay? And then suddenly they have a huge growth of results. The farmer is happy, and for them, they have, basically, they use machine learning to optimize all the time their products because they have a, a real-time market study <laughs> where they can basically all the time use data and have this loop of enhancement around what they do. Another case was, for example, Nike, when they started using you know, Nike plus apps, um, basically a shoe is not a shoe only, but it has sensors and basically you become, you become an athlete because you get an app and it tells you when to train, that you have a community to run with. And basically, you, you bind your shoe to an experience around an app, which makes you feel like you're, you have more socialize, socializing because you meet other people on the app. You track your, your performance and you think you do that better because it's Nike helping you to do that. Okay. So you basically, from a, 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 a pure shoe product, you change the way it's perceived by the customers because you deliver an app, a training program, and all the stuff, and you become basically yeah, a coach. Okay. Whilst actually what you said is shoes, okay? But basically it's how you 
going to enhance that experience by transforming the experience you deliver to your clients. And that's kind of digital transformation, um, which is more than just enhancing your or digitizing your your customer experience. So yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's a it's it's a small difference, but which represents those huge investments and kind of a, a permanent testing and optimizing thought into the company. And that's a struggle of, of a lot of the companies. They may they may be good at digitizing their processes, putting the infrastructure in place to do that. But then how do you bring the thought of transforming your business completely? Because you, you take risks, it's investments, you take risks, you don't, you're not sure it's going to work. And are you ready to do that bet to make that transformation? And that's a more difficult element. And it's, it's more than physical customer journeys. It's really how do you want to transform your product and services and how much you need to invest that and test and optimize all the time. And you need to have the teams and the competency in house to do that. Um, and also the will, the willing, uh, the willingness of the top executive team to go that way, because there's risk bound to that. Sure. And I've been working in the past with a, for the print, uh, print magazine industry, you know, and, uh, we were telling guys, your print news, news, they're going to disappear over time. And that was a while ago. Uh, that was like 10, 11 years ago. And the guys were, you know, they were kind of sticking on their papers. They say, no, no, you know, that's our brand, that's paper. And we invested for in a print, in a print building, 20 millions. And this is going to be amortizable over the next 20 years. So we can't go out of away from that. And basically a lot of them have disappeared because they didn't adapt to the new way of consuming information, which is sure. mostly on the mobile phone. So it's really, how do you balance that? capitalizing on the legacy on the past, but thinking about the future and where you want to go and managing both with the money you have is a struggle for a lot of companies. And that's why a lot of companies fail because they, they don't go all the way. They just go a little way and hope it's going to work. So, uh, digital customer journey is part of that transformation. Uh, and a lot of people are not there yet because they basically, they might have a good way to interact with people online or they send emails depending on the website visits and so on, but they blind on the touch point because they're not able to recognize Mr. Z, which was on the website and now comes to the touch, physical touch points. They don't use data or they don't have technology in place to do that. And that's a, that's a difficulty. And it's becoming more and more difficult because of data privacy and the laws which are coming in, in craft. Now it's easy, you know, you can put a, a beacon on the roof of your retail store. Uh, capture the unique ID of your or the phone entering the store, and you could have done the same on the online when people open the email. But you need to have the willingness and the authorization of the person to do so, and that's for that you need to bring value to the people so they accept to share their privacy uh, data, sure. and that's another important element you need to think of when you do that digital customer experience building. You need to basically give enough value to the people, so they're ready to share their private information. All right. You know, uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm just thinking, thinking left and right. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I was just thinking, uh, you know, from a marketing manager's perspective, back in the, in the olden days, marketing managers would have to think of, uh, you know, designing some experiences or interactions completely in a physical world or designing some experiences completely in a digital way. 
but I would say digital is not just about customer journeys, it's also about a mindset. And uh, I see a lot of brands adopting it, you know, wholeheartedly. So say, for example, you walk into a physical store and uh, there is some step involved where you scan a QR code and you get some benefit. So it's an example of a physical experience where there's a digital element of you getting your smartphone out, scanning a QR code, and maybe that gives you an additional discount on something that you're purchasing. But you're also, uh, you know, volunteering, sharing some data in the process, uh, something about your likes and preferences. So that goes back into the, the you know, uh, the, the, the companies collecting that data and then they can use that data at a later stage. So it's interesting, you know, uh, how companies are now thinking in a digital way, which is a blending of digital and physical. And it's really interesting to see use cases and innovations surface in this space. Uh, even though I wanted to ask you, you know, um, if, a, if a company wants to create a seamless and consistent shopping experience, you know, essentially that's what Vigil is trying to achieve. What roles do augmented reality and virtual reality play in, in that context? I think we're still in the early stage of that. Um, I mean, you, we recall last year before, you know, there have been a few bubbles around virtual reality and meta. They changed their name into from Facebook to meta, you know, they invested billions in of, into it and kind of all went to the bin because as long as, as long as there's no adoption, a massive adoption of the technology from people, because it brings you enough value that you, it changes your experience and then you're ready to move to that stage. And as that happens, I mean, it's nice and, and beautiful, but all these meta platforms, you know, the NFTs and all this stuff, which popped up, there's always this curve, you know, it is uh, the early adopters. Okay. There's a bubble basically, but the world is not ready for that. Then a lot of people lose a lot of money there. <laughs> There's a kind of a crash after, <laughs> um, and that repeats, you know, there was the same with the e-commerce in, in the year 2000, where, you know, the, the, the stock market went up crazy and then everything crashed because yes. basically it was too early. And then there is, there is this path after when it starts to pick up again, and that's where really the model takes off. And I think, I mean, virtual reality, I'm not convinced yet because I think there's not the device and the experience yes to that, which is interesting enough to make it happen and have a massive adoption. I, I work, I have a good friend, which has a company, which has basically this virtual reality, you know, with the, the lenses and that stuff like onboarding of staff. Uh, so they can visit the office before they start, you know, they, or they have a, a virtual encounter with the CEO, which explains them a lot of things, but they move around virtually with the, the headset and blah, blah. So that starts to work, but I think the, the experience is not differentiating enough and convincing enough that people adopt it massively um, because it's expensive. It's cumbersome, you know, augmented reality. When you have glasses where it will tell you, move right, left, oh, here you have a promotion in that store. The day that happens and it becomes seamless for the person and it's not basically hindering other experiences, I think that's going to take off, but we're not there yet. Um, augmented reality is something which is, I think can make more sense where you have a, you know, you can have a 3D model from something or you can experience a product. Lego does that, for example, you know, you know, go to a Lego store, you have your, you, you have the box and basically you have a kind of a, a, a QR code, you scan it and then basically 
with the app, you kind of see the thirty the the built Lego product, and you can look at the at it in three D on top of the box. That makes sense. But again, it's I think it's still early, and there's not a massive adoption for it because the experience is not in good enough yet to have it completely adopted by everyone. But technology is there, the phone is there, but maybe we need another device because uh, we're still used to look at videos and we that kind of this blending of physical digital experiences, um, glasses or whatever it will be, you know, um, we'll see how it works. I, I'm, I'm, exp I'm waiting to see what Apple brings with a new VR headset, which is going to come on the market, I think in the next few weeks. Yes. And what I've seen, video, I've seen that on video and it seems that they getting near to that kind of differential experience enough that it's going to have a more massive adoption. There's then a hurdle of the price because it's crazy expensive. Sure. Okay. Uh, but with the time, I think they're getting there and they, they're known to revolutionize the market and they did that with the iPhone, with the smartphone. But they might get there with this new device, but uh, we'll have to see. <laughs> but I'm, I mean, I've, I've started to test this uh, documentary, this stuff exactly with the print uh, magazine back at that time in the 2000. Uh, 11, 2013, so that was early stage. It's interesting, but it didn't get a massive adoption yet. Well, that's my summary, because the different the experience is not good enough yet to make people switch heavily to it. I think for any technology to have a really massive adoption, uh, two things need to happen. One is that the experience itself, in itself, is amazing. It should blow your mind. It should be like, I want that. That's the feeling you want customers to have. And second thing is uh, the price point. The price point needs to be low enough. The entry barrier should be low. Therefore, allowing more people to adopt it, more people to go and purchase it. Otherwise, uh, something may be fantastic, but if it's too elitist, it's going to remain in the hands of the few. And then it's not resulting in wide adoption. I mean, the real smartphone revolution started when, uh, you know, cheaper models of smartphones still having the same set of apps started coming in the marketplace, thereby opening the floodgates for the kind of people, the kind of customers that could actually purchase that smartphone. And I think India is a testament to that. You know, you have uh, even a, a, a guy who goes around early morning delivering milk to people's houses and he has a smartphone. I mean, you know, that's where it's reached to, you know, so uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. You're right because I think with the with the massive adoption of a new technology comes then what I call the network effect because more people are using it, then it makes more sense for people to develop new stuff for it. Yes, yeah, because it's there's enough money to make out of it, but also there is all this social interaction. I mean that's that's where Facebook and all these social media platforms really took off. It was because it was available on a smartphone. It was adopted by more and more people, and the day you have more and more people adopting it, then it it brings also more value to the people which are using it, sure. and then that network effect happens, and then basically takes off and goes ballistic, so to say. And as you say, yes, price experience and pricing is definitely something which helps to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you one last question in terms of you know implementing a digital strategy or perhaps getting started with your digital customer journey. Are there any uh, challenges or maybe things that people should be mindful of in particular when they're implementing this? What could go wrong? If maybe if you could 
from your experience, you know, identify and tell us, pay extra attention to this. I think it would make a big difference to people who are trying to implement this strategy. Well, as I said, the first thing you need to have is the technology to deliver, to be able to deliver it. Right. Um, that goes over the capability to have the full view of your customer interactions. We talk about CRM, where you're going to basically capture the, the interactions you have with the person. Um, and you need to augment it with a, what we call a customer data platform, where you basically, because you want to be able to, one important element in that journey is the able, ability to personalize the experience depending on the needs of the person. Okay. And that goes with segmentation of your audiences. And that goes with mostly still until now manually defined elements, but in the future machine learning, automated things, which basically would cluster your audiences into segments. And then you need to personalize the experience. So you need to be able to deliver that personalization. And that goes with, the, for example, marketing automation solutions, where you don't, you don't want to do that manually. Basically, you need to have a, a scenarios in place and logics which makes it happen by itself okay because if you need to set up your newsletter to all your segments to send it out you lost already okay so it's really about building your marketing technology stack so crm marketing automation because of data platform certainly uh, a data warehouse where you're able to gather all that information in one place and then connect your intelligence to your erp to your sales uh, what has been sold to your uh, POS systems. Um, so you have to have an open architecture, which allows you to plug new tools as you go. Okay. Sure. So it's basically really this capacity to use APIs um, to push and pull data around systems. Right. Okay. So you need technology, you need people which are able to master that. So you need data scientists, you need uh, very good people in digital. Um, people which understand data are able to interpret it, need enough systems to build that intelligence and basically the scalability of, of your architecture so you can build as you go. So that's basically what you need. Uh, it's people, technology, and then that culture in the company to test and optimize all the time okay. and be okay to fail. Yeah, I think okay. that's important. Because a lot of lot of people or companies I don't, don't have the fail culture. And if you don't have that culture, you're never gonna start anything, take any risk, and then you're gonna not improve what you do because you're gonna just stick at what you do already, because that's not the risk. But then you might be lost uh because the company does it better than you. So you I mean it's really this technology capabilities being technology obviously people wise, the intelligence and the willing to explore and try new stuff and therefore taking the risk of failing uh, and that's the most difficult element i think because you are driven by revenue by margin by the stock value uh what or your shareholder wants return and a risk means potentially you're not going to reach your target and therefore okay so sometimes it goes with building a separate company which does that sometimes it's giving a team next to reporting directly to the CEO, that freedom to do that. Okay. But you need to have the top management support. Otherwise you better not start. Interesting. I think you, you know, really narrowed it down 
to some of the most important points. So thank you so much for doing that. And I also want to say thank you for making time in your day for coming on our podcast and talking about digital customer journeys and the entire digital mind, mindset, the digital approach to, you know, looking at customer experiences and looking at customers in a much more holistic way. So thank you for that, Eva Long. Thank you uh, for inviting me. It was a pleasure. In today's session, we learned so much about digital customer journeys. Brands are increasingly adopting it, and it actually makes a lot of sense. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on YouTube to get notifications as and when new content goes live. Follow us on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Our handle is the Zista Podcast. Till we meet again, we'd say, stay curious. Stay curious.